Well, good evening. It is about that time. It is the 7 o'clock hour, which means it's time for our midweek Bible study here at the Santee Circle Church of God in Monks Corner, South Carolina. We are so honored and privileged to have you join us today for Bible study. We hope that you are blessed by the ministry of our church, and we just look forward to having you be a part of our church today for our Bible study time. Let me say to you while you're turning in your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs chapter number one, the book of Proverbs chapter number one. I want to uh, make mention to you of a couple things. One, don't forget that you can give online uh, at our church at Santee Circle uh, Church of God. You can give online at tithe.ly, search for Santee Circle uh, Church of God or Santee Circle COG, and you can give online on that platform. Uh, It'll just take about 30 seconds to set up, or you can go to our new church website at SanteeCircle.org. You can check us out on the internet, and you can also give there as well at SanteeCircleCOG.org. In the giving, uh, there'll be a giving tab, and you can give on that platform as well. Now, I want to also tell you tonight that we have Vacation Bible School coming up, and we want you to be a part uh, of that. So please make sure that you sign up uh, and let us know if you're willing to help with that, that's June 13th through the 16th. You can also sign up for that online as well. Let us open up tonight with a word of prayer. And immediately following prayer, we'll jump right into this Bible study. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your love, mercy, and grace. And we thank you that you're a very present help in time of trouble. Lord, we thank you that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Father, we thank you that we can come in this house, gather in your name to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray for the needs of this body, those watching online right now, those that will stream this at a later date. God, I pray for those in the nursing homes, those battling cancer, those battling sickness. God, I pray today that your glory would fill this place. The Shekinah glory of an almighty God would come and just take over and minister to us this evening. I pray that you would bless this Bible study as we get ready to uh, to dive in into a new series of lessons uh, that we're going to be studying over the next few weeks. And we just ask that your hand of mercy lead, guide, and protect us during this time together. We love you and we praise you in Christ's holy and precious name we pray. And all the people of God said, Amen and Amen. I want to start a new series tonight. On this idea or this subject matter, I want to talk about what it's like to live wisely in a foolish world. How can you live wisely in a foolish world? I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure it out or a rocket scientist to find out that we are living in a day and hour that is very foolish. We've got all kinds of craziness going on in the world around us. And so I would advise you, if you haven't been paying attention, pay attention. Because we are getting close, church. We're getting close to the return of the Lord. And I would say to you today, and I hope that you hear this pastor very carefully, God is coming again. Ready or not, whether we like it or not, God is coming back for a bride without spot, 
wrinkle or blemish. And so while we still are here on this present earth and we're still living in this planet called earth, we have to understand how can we as the people of God live wisely in a foolish world. In fact, living wisely in a foolish world is very difficult sometimes to do. For in fact, we have lots of people along life's journey and along life's way that will instill or will put peer pressure or will will instill fear into us. And so sometimes we'll make unwise decisions based on the effects of others and their influence on us. But we are called by God to live wisely in a foolish world. In order for someone to live wisely in a foolish world, I think the first thing that we must study, which is what we'll discuss tonight, is how do you become wise? In essence, if you want to live wisely in a foolish world, what is it to be wise? What is it to have wisdom? In fact, we're going to begin studying, looking through the book of Proverbs we are studying the most, what I feel is the most practical book in the entire Word of God. The reason I think it is the most practical is because every verse and every chapter in this particular book of the Bible, I think, correlates with things that we can apply to our daily living and practically use even today. This book is a collection of God-given wisdom. It covers topics such as money. Marriage, work, anger, health, parenting, making of friends, planning, success. Listen to those topics again that is covered in the book of Proverbs. Money. Oh, a lot of people still need to learn how to deal with money. There's a lot of people who deal foolishly with money. In fact, there are so many people dealing foolishly with money That is why when people got their stimulus checks and their economic recovery checks, they went out and started buying new TVs, new cars, new this, new that, this, that, and the other, thinking it was a bonus check, when in reality they're going to have to pay taxes on it because they didn't realize that it was supposed to help them when they hit rock bottom or when they need a little boost, not to just live frivolously at the expense of others. Money, marriage. Oh, there's a lot of marriages in trouble. In fact, I've talked to just a few people this week that told me, asked me to pray for their marriages because they've got some challenges going on in their marriage. Work. <laughs> I could preach on that for a little while, but I'll leave that alone. Can't even go to a restaurant. I went to a restaurant the other week and the lady was in there and they actually said that they could not serve. It was the manager who says, we're sorry, we're only open for coffee. We normally serve a full menu, but we can only serve you coffee because none of my employees showed up today because they got their uh, check in the mail and I'll let you figure out what was meant by that and they chose not to come to work. Anger, health, parenting, there's a lot of people that could use help in that department. How to make good choices when it comes to friends. You see all of this stuff is found in the book of Proverbs but it all started back in 1 Kings chapter number 3. In fact, there's a king of Israel, King David's son by the name of Solomon, son of Bathsheba, wife of Uriah and then subsequently wife of David. Solomon becomes the heir to the throne. In fact, it was God's choice that Solomon become king of Israel. 
Solomon is sitting on the throne. And after, shortly after he takes his post of duty or office, if you will, Solomon has a dream in which the Lord asks of Solomon, the Lord says to him, Solomon, ask whatever you want and I shall give it to thee. Ask whatever you want of me and I will give it to thee. Now, Solomon could have asked, if he'd have been like most people, he could have asked for money, fame, fortune and popularity. But that's not what he asked for. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, it says that Solomon says, Give your servant understanding that I may judge your people to discern that which is good and evil. Give your servant understanding that I may be able to judge and discern which is good from which is evil. What? A request to be asked of and to be made. The Lord opened up the entire porches of heaven, the entire treasuries of heaven, and said, I'll give you what you want. And the one thing Solomon asked was, God, help me to be a wise man. Help me to become wiser than I currently am so that I can better serve you. Can I tell you that would behoove the church if we could get to a point in our lives where we say, Lord, I want to grow in my faith so much, I want to be more wise, I want to be more prudent, I want to grow in my faith with you more than anything else in this world, more than fame, more than fortune, more than riches, more than anything, popularity, promotions. I want more of you, Jesus. Wow. What a request. You see, this was not a selfish request. So therefore, God grants this request. And the result of that is we get this book known as Proverbs. You see, Solomon not only was given wisdom, God granted him the ability to become the wisest man to have ever lived up until the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, Solomon not only was wise, but the Bible said God blessed him abundantly with riches as well because of what he asked for. But Solomon was the wisest man outside of the coming of Christ to ever live. In fact, in Matthew 12, 42, Jesus himself declared that he, standing before the people of God, was something greater than Solomon in their midst. You notice that the book of Proverbs, if you study the book of Proverbs, it actually has 31 chapters. In fact, it has one chapter to correlate with every day of the month. So if you read one chapter per day in a 31-day month, you would complete the book of Proverbs. Reading one chapter each day for a month would be fantastic. Would be a fantastic way. To learn how to live wisely in a foolish world. Because every day you would be gleaning from the word of God. In fact the word wisdom alone is mentioned 50 times in the book of Proverbs. 50 times. That's a lot. In the book of Proverbs. So let's look at what Solomon actually said in this book in Proverbs chapter 1. Let's look at it together. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give subtly to the simple. 
to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear it and will increase in learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel, meaning he will listen to wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But a fool will despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but the fool will despise wisdom and instruction. You see, Proverbs makes up five books of wisdom in the Bible. There is five books that are classified as wisdom literature in the Old Testament. It is the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. J-P-P-E-S for a short acronym. J-P-P-E-S, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. You see, there are three ways or three things that helps us become wise in living in a foolish world. The first thing is you have to know what it means to get wisdom. What does wisdom mean? What is the meaning of wisdom? You see, some people think wisdom is the same thing as knowledge. But that is not the case. You see, I know a lot of people that have knowledge. They've got well-educated degrees on a wall. Some have PhDs. Some have written books. Some have done all kinds of great things, accolades. But just because you are knowledgeable doesn't mean you are wise. There's a lot of people walking in this world that have a bunch of head knowledge. Hello. They don't have a heart knowledge of Jesus, but boy, they can spit out a bunch of head knowledge of stuff. There's a lot of people in this world that have knowledge, but they don't have wisdom and understanding. They got plenty of book sense. They don't have common sense, as some people would describe it. The Hebrew word for wisdom is the is called hakma, hakma. It literally means the skilled, the intelligent, or understanding how to use knowledge and information correctly. Listen to the meaning: skilled, intelligent. Or the ability to understand how to use knowledge and information correctly. You see, there is a big difference between being educated and being wise. See, a lot of people are educated. Not a lot of people are wise. You see, we can get an education all we want to. But if we don't know how to apply it, what we've learned, what did we gain? There's a lot of people get graduating colleges. Some folks getting ready to finish up their high school endeavors and their studies and they're going to be venturing off to college. It's interesting that a lot of people go to college and they get what we call pointless degrees. They get a piece of paper that say they got a bachelor or an associate's degree in something, but they don't ever use anything they plan to with that degree. They haven't applied what they've learned. 
Proverbs 8 and 11 tells us how valuable wisdom is. It says in Proverbs 8 11, For wisdom is better than any jewel, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Meaning wisdom, the, the attaining of wisdom is priceless. You can't put a price tag on learning how to be a wise man or woman in the faith. See, there is no price tag. It's not like, well, you know... I think I can buy it for 20 bucks. No, there's no price tag. It says it's more expensive or more rare and precious than any jewel. So, secondly, I want to look at not only what the, what the meaning of wisdom is, but what is the benefits? Why should you pursue wisdom in a foolish world? Well, one of the reasons I think you should pursue wisdom in a foolish world is because wisdom will protect you against deception. See, what wisdom does is wisdom is that little indicator in your brain that lets you know, that doesn't seem right. I don't know. That doesn't add up. I don't know if this is such a good idea. Maybe I should rethink this a little bit more. Maybe I should look back on this a little Wisdom will stop you in your tracks and help you remember, yeah, that's probably not the best choice I could have made. You see, every generation has more than its fair share of con artists. You know what a con artist is. It's somebody who tries to sell you a bit of, a bill of goods that ain't really that good. A lot of people try to take advantage of people all the time. You see, commercials are full of it. Commercial after commercial on TV and endless emails and mass mailings are all about taking advantage of some latest and greatest money-making Ponzi scheme. Invest in this real estate, our internet business, buy this precious metal, buy these coins, buy, get involved in this. Everybody's out make, trying to make a dollar on something with some Ponzi scheme and get people to buy into their product. Now, some of them may, in fact, be decent products, but 99.9% .9 of those products are a quack. Those as-seen-on-TV stuff, not all of that as-seen-on-TV works. You got flex tape and gutter leaf gutters and... And all these different things and pressure washers attached to the end of the hose. I mean, all kinds of stuff. A lot of that stuff doesn't work. Sounds good. It just doesn't work. You see, every person is trying to make a little bit of money there. But Proverbs 2 and 12 tells us that wisdom will deliver you from the way of evil. It will also deliver you from the man who speaks perverse things. What wisdom does will say, now nah, let's think about this real now real quick. It will deliver you from evil, deception, and the perverse ways of man. Another benefit of wisdom is wisdom produces healthy living. In fact, wisdom will help you make wise choices. Therefore, you'll live better. You'll have better health. You see, one of the most profitable businesses probably in the day and hour we live in is the people that do things with health-related or dietary situations, people that are health coaches, like the Health Dare and all of these diets and, and, and keto uh, uh, diets and, and, and these ketones and Atkins diet and all these different things people try. Man, those people are making lots of money. Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem and all these things. People buy into it, these diet and exercise equipment, Bowflex and all these different things to, to get healthier. You see, almost every early morning television infomercial in the wee hours of the morning, have something to do with some kind of health or exercise equipment or trying this, these advertising, paid programming. But Proverbs 3 and 16 tells us that wisdom has long life in her right hand. 
Now you have to understand what the, the proverb is saying here. The, the, the prophet of God is speaking here in Proverbs. He said, wisdom has long life in her right hand. In the Bible, the right hand was the sign, uh, was the, the idea of strength. Uh, most, most attributed the right hand to be a sign of strength and power, d- dominance, dominion. The right hand. That's why a lot of churches we give you the right hand to fellowship. When you used to make a good deal with somebody or a business deal, you shook right hands. It was like a, a sealed contract, a binding. It was to show strength and stability in that situation. And so that right hand was the strong part or the, or what was looked at as the strength of life. And so what it's saying is wisdom in the strongest part of wisdom's hand is long life. Wisdom will produce long life. Well, how can that be? Are you saying, Pastor, just because I'm wise, I'm going to live long? Well, I'm telling you, you have a better chance at living long. Here's why. Living wisely means that a lot of stress in our lives will be removed because we will tend not to make bad decisions about our finances, relationships, and jobs. The wiser we become, the more apt we are to not make dumb decisions. And the less we make dumb decisions, the more apt we are to be less stressed. And the less stressed we are, the more apt we are to have less lower blood pressure, cholesterol levels, heart issues, and all these other issues, diabetes, and all these other things, because we are not as stressed. But a lot of people are stressed because of the decisions they made, dumb decisions. You see, if we are to be wise, we have to avoid the many accidents and pitfalls that foolish people find themselves in. We won't do unwise things. We'll learn instead how to walk in the right way. It doesn't mean you'll not make mistakes. It just means that you'll learn how to learn from those mistakes and not keep foolishly returning back to it. Another benefit of wisdom is that wisdom will promote financial success. It's in the Word of God. One of the most foolish things in our world is how many how many people unwisely handle their finances. I think it would do the world and the church good just to teach a good old biblical class on finances. How to handle money God's way. Now, one of the programs many churches use, and I think it's a fantastic program, is by Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University. I think it's a great program. But you know, I think that a lot of people can sit in a classroom and glean all they want to from Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University courses, but if they never go home and do it, it doesn't mean anything. See, I believe that you got to apply what you've learned in order for it to be success. You see, a lot of, there was a wealthy person that once said, making money is easy. Keeping it is the hard part. A lot, you know, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. That wealthy person said making the money was not the hard part. It's keeping it that's the hard part. In the world that we live in, a lot of people make money with their jobs and things that they do. They just don't know how to handle what they've been given. That's why they got to work extra hours and ask for overtime and other things because the more money they've made, the more they spent, now they got to make up for it. In Proverbs 17 and 16, The Bible says, why is there a price in the hand of a fool to buy wisdom when he has no sense? What he is saying is, a foolish person will just waste his money away. 
Why is he why is he trying to put a price tag on getting wisdom when he's got no sense to start with? To understand you can't buy it. Foolish people will spend. You know, I've met a lot of people that have found themselves in very adverse situations due to credit cards. They did not properly handle their credit cards appropriately and thus found themselves in financial bondage, some in financial ruin and turmoil, all because they tried to live above their means. In fact, many of them would buy things that they with credit, if you will, that they knew they couldn't afford. Some people need to have plastic surgery. Now, I'm not talking about the kind where, you know, they make you look 20 years younger and they, you know, make give you Botox in the lips to make your lips be more voluptuous and they, they you know, raise your eyebrows and make sure that you don't show any wrinkles or signs of aging. I'm not talking about cosmetic plastic surgery. Talking about the kind with those little credit cards. Taking a pair of scissors and cutting those things up and throwing them in a trash can and saying, if I don't have the money in the bank account, then I'm not going to spend it. See, most people think, oh, well, I'm going to get my paycheck next week, so I'll go ahead and buy it now. But by the time next week rolls around, they've already thought of something else and bought it, forgot all about the credit card, and now they find themselves in financial ruin. You see, if they're not careful that credit card, that, that financial bondage will become their Lord and their master and they will be enslaved to it and they'll find themselves in a bankruptcy state and they won't know how to get themselves out of it. You see, a fool will waste his money. I recently read where an insurance agent, when he was dealing with a client that had a large life insurance policy, when the beneficiary of the life insurance policy, when the, the person that died uh, passed on, he called the beneficiary of the insurance policy. And he begins to tell this insurance policy holder, he said, how about I give you your settlement in yearly installments over 10 to 20 year periods? Let me just give it to you as a, you know, come, you know, come to, you know, when you need it, you know, every couple years, rather than one large sum. The beneficiary asked the reason for this, in his eyes, ludicrous advice. The insurance agent then replied, the reason I give you this advice is because most people don't know how to handle their money. So no matter how large the settlement is that you get, Statistics show that the person receiving the money will be broke within three to five years after payment has been granted. See what that insurance agent was saying is, I can give you a large sum of money, but you won't prolong it out for 10 to 20 years and use it effectively and prudently. What you'll do is spend it and waste it and get rid of it, and then you will find yourself broke there because you won't know how to handle it appropriately. Another benefit of wisdom is wisdom will give you the pathway to peace. You see, foolish people are always stressed, man. Those people are always look like they, they're just drowning, they're stressed out, they're miserable, they're just stressed. And the reason of their stress is they continue to make bad decisions. They continue to do things that are not prudent. Proverbs 3 and 17 says, 
And the second letter I had for that verse, it says, But in the left hand are riches and honor, meaning in the right hand, the strong arm, there's long life. But in the weaker hand, that's where you find riches and honor. That'll stress you out because there's not a lot of strength in that. You see, I believe that wise people will become peacemakers and try to bring peace in every situation. They don't want to stir up strife. They don't want to cause division. In fact, they know the Scripture. The Scripture says God is not the author of confusion or division. How pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the earth. See, see, God wants us to learn to live in peace with one another. So wise people will seek for peace and harmony because they know living at peace together brings about living in one another with peace will bring about health and wealth and help sustain them in times of need. But foolish people, they're all the time trying to stir up some kind of division, conflict, strife. They're always trying to stir up something. Foolish people will always be trying to create drama. If there's no, Even if there's not drama present, they'll try to create drama because that's all they know. But a wise person, even in the midst of drama, will step back and say, no, no, I don't want to do that. They'll step back and create peace. Wisdom also, another benefit of wisdom. So I've said to you so far, wisdom will protect you from deception. It will produce a healthy life. It will give you financial success. It will pave the pathway to peace. But it also will provide happiness to you. Wisdom will bring happiness to your life. I could stop right there, shut this Bible, and quit preaching tonight, or teaching tonight, I should say. Because no matter what you accomplish in life, without wisdom, nothing will make you happy. You'll always be looking for something. In order for us to enjoy the good things that we have in life, we must remember what the Proverbs, what, what the writer of Proverbs said in 3 and 13. He said, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and gains understanding. That word blessed literally is correlating to the word happy is he who finds that. Wisdom produces blessedness or happiness. It reminds us that our blessings come from the Lord. Aren't you thankful that our blessings come from the Lord? We don't get just blessings from the local uh, insurance agency or the local uh, handout community uh, giver of something, but our happiness is found in the Lord. God brings about blessings to us. That word happy, that word is translated as sheer, as sheer. It literally means happiness that comes from knowing God has bestowed His favor and blessing upon you. What it literally means is God smiled down on you and he gave you a blessing. That's pretty good stuff right there. That doesn't make a Christian want to run around and shout for a little while. I don't know what will. That God shines his favor upon us and blesses us. You see, wisdom brings about happiness. In fact, in James 1 and 17, the Bible tells us that every good thing and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light. You see, fame and fortune, they can't really make you happy because they don't understand the result of God's favor in our lives. 
You see, we can have the meaning of wisdom, what wisdom means that we discussed, and we can talk about the benefits of wisdom. But I want to finish tonight by lastly talking about the acquisition of wisdom. How can you gain this wisdom to be able to live foolish, live wisely in a foolish world? Well, I believe there are three ways that you can gain wisdom. The first way is you can acquire reverence for God. You can have a required reverence for God, meaning you can stand behind the sacred lectern like I am standing today and you can say, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. I'm not worthy to teach this class. I'm not worthy to be where I am today. But I respect and I honor, I revere the sacredness of the name of the Lord. In fact, Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That word fear is the word yirah, yirah. It literally means reverence. Reverence. You see, the word reverence means an attitude of deep respect or honor. You see, when we respect people, we often will value their advice and take them more seriously than those we don't respect. So what he is saying is the beginning of wisdom is taking God and his word literally and seriously. The second way we can acquire uh, wisdom is not only to have this ability to respect and revere the Lord and have this acquired reverence for it, but secondly, just ask. Ask God for it. You can acquire the reverence and you can be respectful of God, but then just simply ask. Talk to your father, your Abba, your daddy, daddy. You see, God's the giver of all things. We read that in James. For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding, Proverbs 2 and 6. The problem is not that the Lord does not want to give us wisdom. The problem is oftentimes we fail to ask. A lot of times it's not that God doesn't want to do it. We just haven't asked him to do it yet. You say, well, Pastor, I've been asking God to do a lot of things for a long time. Well, that might be well and good, but is it in His divine will and order? Did you, did you pray according to His will? His will is to give us wisdom and understanding. You see, James 1 and 5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That verb ask is in the present tense. It says, let him ask, meaning right now, in the moment. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Right now, in the secrecy of this moment. Right now, ask God. God, can I be more like you? The present tense. It is a continuous action. It's not something to only be done one time. It's not like you can say, Lord... Give me wisdom today and never pray again and expect to be wise for the rest of your life. No, it is a continual prayer. Every day when your feet hits the floor, Lord, help me to make wise decisions today. Help me to be wise in my diligence and studying of your word. Lord, help me to grow in my faith in you. Lord, help me be more like you. Wisdom. Being wise. You see, it's not a one-time request, but it is a daily decision for us to grow in our faith. The last way you can acquire this wisdom is learn how to apply the word of the Lord. We just finished a biblical book study of Psalms 119 and we talked about the importance of loving 
the word of the Lord and falling in love with the words of the Lord and wanting to just glean from the the folds of the pages of Scripture. But it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to apply it. To apply it. You see, today I would caution you that as you read these Proverbs and other things, don't just read them at face value, but apply them to your life. You see, wisdom isn't just about reading. It is about remembering and putting into practice that which you have committed to action. You see, Proverbs 17.24 says, Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding. But the eyes of fools are on the ends of the earth. You see, intelligent people keep their eyes fixed on wisdom, but the eyes of a fool will be always searching for something else. To keep our eyes fixed on wisdom, we must remain focused on the Word of God, which contains the wisdom of God. Literally, it means to take time to set aside for personal Bible study and reading of the Word, faithfully attending worship service, going to group Bible studies, pray, seeking the face of the Lord. It takes effort. It takes effort to do this. So, Pastor, how can I live wisely in a foolish world? Well, you can read the Word of the Lord. You can pray the Word of the Lord. You can study the Word of the Lord. Then you can apply it to your life. I'm here to tell you that this book will be your best friend. The greatest decision you can ever make in your life is to ensure that you are one with the Lord. You see, many of us have over the last year and a half or so had to navigate changes in life like we never thought we would have to imagine. We had to navigate the idea of a global pandemic affecting the lives of men and women that we love, some that are still battling to this day. We had to learn how to distance ourselves, not shake hands, not hug necks, not be tactile, not have dinner on the grounds, not be able to do what we used to be able to do as the people of God. We had to learn the value of wearing a mask and what that meant. We had to learn how to do increased sanitation and cleaning measures in buildings. The way we eat dinner, go out to eat at restaurants, changes, changed drastically. The way businesses conducted their businesses changed drastically. The ability to go into hospitals and nursing homes and other areas changed drastically. Loved ones being asked to sit outside while their loved ones are on the inside literally fighting for their lives without anyone sitting beside them. We've lived through some adverse things over the last year and a half. And I would like to tell you that we've all learned, well, I think we all have learned something, but I would like to tell you that everybody learned something positive. But in fact, I think it is in fact done the opposite. I think in fact it's a lot, it's caused a great apostasy within the church. Some people won't go to church anymore. Some people will just go online. Some have left their church to go to another church during this transition. At the end of the day, the world 
that we know and we live in is in a mess. We do, in fact, live in a foolish world. I'm not here to preach politics. I'm not here to talk about political parties and and ideologies and their philosophies. But I will tell you that we live in a world that's in a mess. And we need to be seeking and being more prudent and diligent in learning how to live wise among fools. I, I, I use that term fools very cautiously, but, but I do believe that there are many people in this world, unfortunately, that live their lives in a foolish way and are acting as if they were foolish and fools. So we have to learn how to live wise amongst them. You see, I believe with all my heart that we are living in a day and hour that if the Lord doesn't soon come, even those who profess to be wise will in fact find themselves deterred and move away from the faith. I believe this series that we're going to be engaging over the next few weeks is so important. We have got to come back to the essence of learning how to live biblically in a fallen world and live wisely in a foolish world and learn how to trust the hand of the Lord. So I pray that you will join with us on this journey and this study together as we continue this over the next few weeks. Before we close out in prayer tonight, I want to make mention of a couple requests to you uh, that we would like for you to pray for as well. Continue to pray for Sister Bonnie Gunn, who is battling cancer, and Sister Laura Mae Skipper, who is homebound, Sister Faye Huff, who is in the nursing home. Uh, Continue to pray for Pastor Alan Bagwell, uh, pastor of First Baptist Cordsville, whose father passed away uh, on Sunday, and they're uh, having his viewing tonight up in the upstate of South Carolina, and subsequently his funeral uh, tomorrow at Boiling Springs, uh, at church there in Boiling Springs. So pray for the Bagwell family. I also ask for you to pray for Sister Sharon Wiggins. She is the pastor's wife uh, of the Lydia Mills Church of God uh, in uh, uh, Clinton, South Carolina. Her and Brother Scott Wiggins pastor that church uh, and, and doing a good job. And uh, she is battling some complications uh, due from a recent bout with COVID. But her oxygen levels have really got to some dangerous levels. And so her family has reached out to various prayer people and asked for churches and prayer partners to really pray for her. So we're going to believe that God's going to turn that around for her as well. I'm sure many of you tonight watching this live stream program have a need as well. And we're asking you to join with us and pray for these needs as we pray by faith together as well as pray for your needs as well. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come tonight and study your word. I pray that something that was said or done will have spoken to the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that you would have let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart been acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and blessed Redeemer. I pray for Bonnie Gunn, who is battling cancer. Continue to give her strength and healing in her body. I pray for Sister Laura May Skipper, who is homebound. I pray for Sister Faye Huff in the nursing home. I pray for Sister Sharon Wiggins, God, who is battling complications from a recent bout with COVID in her Her oxygen levels are dangerously low. God, I pray for healing and the Ruah, the breath of God, to breathe life into those lungs again and sustain her. Father, I pray for our services this weekend. I pray for uh, Brother Alan Bagwell and his family as they lay to rest his father tomorrow. I pray for the others who have lost loved ones, uh, the Hallman family who will be laying to rest some of their family 
members on uh, Monday of this up and coming week. Father, I just I, I reach out to you. I pray today that your you would uh, be so real and the, and be so uh, uh, relevant to the people of God today and touch them. Bless our services this weekend. We don't know who will be here, but we're trusting you. I pray for our other fellow churches in the area. Some are having family and friends day and other events. God bless them for their day uh, with their people tomorrow. Give them favor as well. Lord, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. And guard our hearts until we return again. In Christ Jesus we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen and Amen. Once again, this has been the Santee Circle Church of God Midweek Bible Study. I thank you so much for joining us this evening for Bible study. We hope to be back in-house for Bible study here real soon. Probably in the summer months we'll get that back up and running live in-house with people. I want you to know we love you. We are praying for you. We are excited to see what God is doing amongst the people of God. And we just are looking forward to greater days ahead. Continue to pray for us. We will continue to pray for you. Join us Sunday in-house, if you can, for our morning worship service. If you can't join us in-house, you can stream us online, Santee Circle COG, on Facebook. And you can watch those as well. Or by Monday morning, you can be on our YouTube channel, Santee Circle COG, on YouTube. And find that same uh, Bible study and sermon out as well on that. I love you. I'm praying for you. Until next time, may God bless you. Amen.